It's not anything you have to do. I, it's not like I demand it, but uh, you're blessed and I'm blessed. And uh, All the money that you gave, I, I have an opportunity later this September to go on a fishing trip to uh, uh, outside of Bozeman, Montana, a region of the country I've always wanted to visit. I think it's in Yosemite, isn't it? Or Yellowstone, one of those that I'm going to get to um, fly fish on the banks of the river there uh, with some of my preacher friends. And so um, that, that money's helping me to pay for that. So thank you so much. Amen. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to be efficient with our time, so hang with me. We're going to go someplace, try to go there quickly. And uh, we're continuing this morning in our series that we've been on all month, simply called The Local Church. The Local Church. And we have heard already, haven't we, how important and vital and powerful. You know, I, I, when I first heard my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, make the statement the first time, I had to, it was like a piece of, of steak that I needed to chew on. It was not as it's readily easy for me to just swallow and accept. But he made the statement, it's life and death, what church you attend. And when that, when that first hit my mind, I thought, that's a little over the top, you know, come on. But I have since seen it. It is life and death, what church you attend. Because of what they preach and what they don't preach, what they teach and what they don't teach, what they minister and what they don't minister. You remember during the Miracle Crusade, Pastor Nancy, I believe, related an account of uh, someone said to her that the first, to Pastor Nancy, they said, you know, when I get to heaven, the first question I'm going to ask Jesus is why so-and-so died? Why so-and-so died? And Pastor Nancy said the word of the Lord came right, right up to her and said, tell her she didn't have to wait. I'll tell her right now. I'll tell her right now why that lady died. And she said, okay, tell me. And he said, you tell her she died because of the church she attended. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Amen. Well, what would be the reason for that? You know, when you go to a place that teaches that healings passed away and precious people are sitting there and then Satan attacks their body with sickness, they've, they've been taught exactly wrong. They've been taught exactly the wrong thing. And they will not have a faith, and faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what we give to God to receive all he has back for us. Amen. And God can't do for us what he longs to do for us if we don't have a faith and an expectation. That's just the way the kingdom of God operates. Amen. So it is life and death what church you attend. Amen. But like my wife said on Wednesday night, you can attend, you can be the member, you can call the right church home and still miss it big time. Dr. Jacobs tells of a longtime member who died a horrible death, uh, wasting away with cancer and did ultimately pass away and go to heaven. And what do you do? You know, God, Dr. Jacob said the Lord told him he didn't going to make it. He's going to come home. So he just went to the hospital, loved him, cried, kissed him on the forehead and said, I'll see you on the other side. He said, but this man, this member had a stack of Dr. Jacobs's notes this tall. Well, you could have a stack of my notes this tall. Amen. And still fail. Still not arrive at God's best. It's not that you have notes. It's how much of the notes are alive in you. How much of the notes are you doing? How much of the notes are you living? How much of what you're hearing are you doing something with? I think it would be fair to say of all of us that we're not doing near with what we've heard. Amen. You've been in this church any length of time. You've heard enough to be living with the devil and circumstances beneath your feet. And if he's not, well, it's because simply because we're not applying what we've heard to the degree that we need to. Amen. Diligence is man's precious possession. Amen. We've got to be diligent. The book of Hebrews in a different chapter says that we need to be diligent concerning the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Amen. And what we let slip, we let slip away. The experience of it, the receiving of it. Amen. Praise God. So we cannot, you could not overemphasize the importance and the place that the local church has in the plan of God for the believer. Amen? I want to read, uh, I think, three passages 
in a row here, hopefully not to make too much commentary, and just get these truths into you. Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner, I would say habit, that's what that means, the habit of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is a reference to the return of the Lord, the day of the Lord, amen? The next great prophetic event that's gonna happen on planet earth is the trumpet's gonna sound, the father's gonna say, go get them. He's gonna take a position up in the clouds. The dead in Christ are gonna rise. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you and I who alive and remain, we will be changed and forever caught up to be with God. It could happen at any moment, at any time. And every moment that we get to live here on the earth is an opportunity for service. And it's an opportunity for people who are not ready to meet the Lord to come to the Lord. Amen. Praise God for backslidden, uh, unfaithful church members to get that turned around, get on the right track before the Lord comes. Years ago, years ago, the Lord told me something. He said, son, make me a people ready for my coming. I mean, that is a mandate on my life from Jesus. Make me a people ready for my coming. So if I get strong at times, and I know I do, if I get passionate, if you see the veins bulge in my neck at times, amen, it's, I am just trying my heart, my darndest to make him a people who are ready for his return. How would you know if you're ready, if he appeared right, right now, and you're going to bring your body of work to him right now, you can hold your head up and not be ashamed before him at his coming because you've been learning, discipling, growing, serving, not perfect, but moving ahead and doing your best. But many are not like that, are they? Many, if they brought their life to the Lord to be evaluated and examined, they would drop their head in embarrassment and shame because they know they've not been living their Christian life faithfully and properly. Amen. And so we have this admonition that as we see the day of the Lord approaching, that we are to assemble. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, the ecclesia of God, but all the more. So our mindset is what? As we go further into the last days, we expect to gather together more often than less. So what? You're preparing your heart and mind and your schedule and your life, right? For more church, not less church. More gathering together, not less gathering together. You know what God's plan for every person is? In general, God's plan is get them out of the world, get them born again. Then he would assign them a pastor and a sheepfold so that they could begin to grow up and, and be nurtured into the things of God, right? He doesn't want us to stay spiritual babies. He wants us to grow up in the things of God. He wants us to become a mature believer. He wants us to become enlightened and equipped so that we could receive all that God has bought and paid for and that we could begin to walk out with skillfulness the divine, unique, wonderful plan that God has for each and every person. And it's going to take a church to get that done. It's going to take a household of faith. It's going to, it's going to take a place to come to be taught. Thank God for a place to go here. Thank God for a place to come and present yourself where you could hear the oracles of God. Amen. It's a place of transformation. So God's plan is that that uh, unsaved one gets saved. They discover their pastor. They get assigned to a local church and they become faithful on Sunday morning. That's when most churches meet, right? So we become Sunday morning people. But you know, at some point, God would have you graduate from the first grade. The next step would be what? To become a Wednesday night person. That you would become a midweek person. If you're not able or you're choosing not to come on midweek, you are missing half of what God is doing here. Almost half of what is being ministered. Half of the, the feedings that God is delivering the pastor. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not content to live to miss half. Amen. 
And then, and then God wants you to graduate on into service. Serving. Becoming a vital part of the operation, the mechanics, the ministry that goes on. Then he would have you become a prayer supply. He would have you become a tither and a giver. Amen. And we just go on and on and on from glory to glory. And the more you'll do that, the more you'll find your family, the things that are pertaining to you thriving, like my wife said, thriving because you're planted. You're not visiting. You're planted. Amen. You're not occasional. You're planted, planted in the house of God. Those who planted flourish. Those who don't die on the vine. Amen. And so we have this wonderful verse. Go now with me to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 16. I'm not moved by your quietness this morning. Matthew 16. I'm just going to trust you're listening real good. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 16. And find verse 15. He, Jesus, saith unto them, Whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, he got a revelation. Amen. Not just information. He got a divine revelation from the Father God. And in verse 18, it says, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter. That word in the Greek, Peter means a little pebble. <laughs> so <laughs> we think, Ooh, he's really lifting him up. Jesus said, thou art a little pebble. <laughs> That's what it means in the Greek. Thou art a piece of gravel. <laughs> And upon this rock, different Greek word. So he's not talking about Peter here being the rock the church is built on. This word rock is the Greek word petros, and it means like boulder, like a foundation stone. The rock of Gibraltar. Amen. And he says, upon this. I will build my church. Everyone say church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God. I will build my church upon Peter. Is the church built upon a little pebble? No. Thank God for Peter. Peter is a foundational apostle. Amen. Peter's got a special seat in heaven, I'm sure. Amen. Thank God for that. But the, the rock, the boulder, the foundation stone that Jesus said, upon this, I'm going to build my church, is the revelation he got. What was the revelation he got? Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. Now, the word Christ is not uh, where Jesus got his mail. It's not his last name. The word Christ means Messiah. Amen. It's a reference to his messianic place. It means the anointed one and his anointing. So really he said upon this revelation that you got that I am the Messiah, that I am the centerpiece, that I am the anointed one and I have the anointing. Amen. Upon that. You know, any church that is ashamed of the word anointing, the power of God, the gifts of the spirit, the move of God has moved off the foundation stone. That's a church on the sand. A cessationist church that says all, all they want to say is this is passed away, passed away, passed away, passed away. They have no scripture for it. Passed away, passed away. Everything good in the Bible passed away. We're just holding on. No, no, no. What? Is the church built on a revelation that Jesus Christ is the anointed one? And the Bible says about him in the, in the book of Hebrews that he is the same. He's not, not the anointed one today. His anointing is not irrelevant today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
I'm so glad that scripture's in there. That means if Jesus ever healed, he is a healer. If he ever delivered, he is a deliverer. If he was ever a provider, he's a provider. Amen. Glory to God. If he was ever a miracle worker, he's working miracles now. Amen. Glory to God. So upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word prevail, let me find my notes on that. Praise God. The word prevail means that it will not be able, the gates of hell will not be able to overpower, Amplified says. It will not be strong to its detriment. So the true church, the real church, hell itself can't be detrimental to the church. Amen. Glory to God. And I like this. I never really meditated on this enough, but the Amplified says, or hold out against it. So not only does the church have a victorious defensive position from the gates of hell, it says the gates of hell will not be able to hold out against the church. In other words, there is an offensive position that we are to take. See, the church is the most powerful entity on the planet today. It's not the Bilderbergers. It's not Bill Gates. No, no, no. It is not George Soros, whatever his name is, Soros. God help his soul. It is not governments. It is not empires. It is not nations. It is the church. There's only one entity on the planet today that hell cannot win out against. It cannot overcome. Amen. You need to know, you want to know what the church is. What is the, what is it really? Is it a building? Is it a place I go? Is it something I do on Sunday? No, thank God those are included. Amen. But you're going to find out this morning if you give me a little time. Amen. What the church is. Praise God. The Greek word translated prevail means this, overpower. I like this, gain the ascendancy. Hell will never be able to gain the ascendancy, the supremacy over the church. Now I'm talking about the true church. I'm not talking about that flesh church. I'm not talking about the fake church. I'm not talking about the entertainment church. I'm not talking about the false church that's out there so popular. I'm talking about, I'm going to give you this word, the ecclesia of God. Amen. And those that are taking a rightful place in that ecclesia. Glory to God. So hell will never be able to overpower. It will never be able to gain the ascendancy. I love this phrase. The Greeks means it will never be able to get the upper hand. You know, sickness, that's coming from hell. That never comes from God. That's coming from hell. Sickness will never be able to get the upper hand over the ecclesia. Amen. Poverty will never be able to get the over the uh, right, the upper hand over God's people. No, 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 no. Oppression, depression, tragedies, accidents, uh, all of this junk going on in the world. Brother Hagin said it right. He said it's going to get darker and darker in the world, but it's going to get brighter and brighter in the church. You need to plant yourself in these last days in the church. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Why? Because it's the one place. It's the one thing that the devil will never be able to get the upper hand on. Never, never, never. He hates. That's why he hates the church. That's why he doesn't want you to know what the real church is. And he doesn't know what he doesn't want. He doesn't want the church to know what the church is. He doesn't know. He doesn't want the, the church to find out the dominion. The place that we actually have, the capacity. But I believe I want to get a, I, it's on my list for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to find me a videographer, and I'm going to we're going to create us a commercial about this church 
Right? This is going to be part, and we're going to get it out there for people to see. And I want it to be image packed, power packed. There is a church in West Put. There is a people. It's not just a church, it's a movement. We are rising up. Come on. We're going to, it's going to be dramatic. I want it to be good, high quality, but come on. There is a church that the devil hates, but too bad. He can't do anything about it. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. You know, I'm talking about you. Amen. Love it, love it, love it. Let's go quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I shared this scripture last Sunday, I believe, or the last time I ministered on this subject. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. It says Paul's writing to one of his spiritual sons and leaders. Timothy's been given a lot of spiritual responsibility. And Paul says, but if I tarry long, if I'm delayed, if, I, if you don't see me for a while, that you may know how you ought to behave. <laughs> Is there a way, Rev, to behave? There's a way to behave. Oh, uh-huh. How you oughtest to behave yourself in the house of God. The message paraphrase says how things ought to go. There, there's a way it ought to go when the church gets together. So, but anyway, I, you could really preach on that. Somebody needs to at some point, but I want to focus on. Notice he says, and if you're reading the book, Reverend Siegel's preaching to you about it. Behave yourself. Now notice what he calls it. The house of God. The house of God. So um, knowing and understanding the New Testament reality and difference from the Old Covenant that God no longer lives in a house made with hands. But it is still proper in the New Testament if you're renewed in your mind to think of the church as the house of God. You'll get some insight on you. Again, you give me a few more minutes. I'm not going to keep you unduly, but I got to take a little time to get this over to you. So he says to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now notice how he describes the house of God, the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground. I like the word mainstay, the mainstay of the truth. The church is the house of God. The church of the living God. And we are in a world we don't belong to. We are ambassadors from a homeland. We are citizens of a different kingdom. Amen. Heaven is our home. You're not home now. You're absent. The ones that have died and gone on before us to heaven, they are home. We are absent. We are in a foreign field on assignment. Amen. Hallelujah. And in this dark place, God has set in every society, in every century, in every time, in every culture that has been since Jesus was raised from the dead, a pillar, a lighthouse, a beacon a mainstay so that everyone around would have an opportunity to know with certainty what is true. That is why congregation, we cannot and we will not as long as I'm pastor here, deviate from the precious foundational truths of God's word. We will not, I don't care what comes, we will not redefine marriage. We will not conform to the world's definition and weirdness. We will not redefine holy sexuality. We will not. We will not redefine Genesis. God made them male and female. I don't care what they do, how hard they push, what they threaten. Our job in the earth is to stand up tall and straight and proclaim in love 
what is true. Amen? And while we do it, we do not need to be afraid. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Come on. God has our back. It doesn't matter who likes you, does not like you. It doesn't matter what circle they want to put you in or out of. It doesn't matter if they try to cancel you. It doesn't matter if they delete your Twitter account. It does not matter. Listen, our job as the church is to not change. We are to be the same. We are to represent God in this earth in love, compassion, mercy, but unapologetically. Sweetheart, I'm sorry, the devil got you confused. But God made you male. And that's what you is. Amen? It is the height of rebellion to rebel against your own gender. That's taking rebellion to extremes. What is the church? You want to know? What is the church? Well, I've mentioned it a little bit, but the Greek word most often used when you read the word church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia. The word ekklesia is a compound word in Greek, right? Two Greek words. The first one is ek, and it means to be called out. That's what that means. The remainder of the word comes from the Greek word kaleo, and it means to beckon, to summons, to call, to invite. So you have ek, it means out, out from, exit, separation. The word kaleo means to beckon, to summons, to call, to invite. So if you put those together, what does it mean? It means that the ecclesia is a people who have responded to God's divine call, his divine invitation, his summons to come out. To not blend. We're not called to blend. You're not called to blend. To be like. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're called to stand out. Amen? Praise God. And so when you bring those two words together, a beckoning, a summoning, a calling, an invitation to come out and to be separate, that is the ecclesia of God. That is the church. The church is an assembly. It is an assembly of people that God has called out from the world. And called out from the world to himself. The word ecclesia had a long history when it was first used. The very first time it was used in a kingdom application, in a spiritual application, was in that passage in Matthew. Where Jesus said, upon this revelation, I will build my church. That's the first time. That very known word from Greek at that time was Jesus took that word and he applied it to the kingdom. He took that word out of the secular and he made it spiritual. So readers of first century Greek speakers of that language would have known. They would not have thought about something you do on Sunday. They would, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. They were not thinking about a church building or a church service or a denomination. Amen. So the wider Greek world, this is how they use the word. Any duly convened assembly of delegates, of legislators, of ambassadors, of important people. That was an ecclesia. And it was an elite group. Right? So in our entire nation of over 330 million people, we have 100 senators. 
And when they assemble together for their assigned business, that is an ecclesia. When the governor's association, when the 50 governors get together, that's an ecclesia. When Congress gets together, that's an ecclesia. And you don't just get to go. You don't just get to be one. You have to be invited. You have to be called. You have to be special. You you feeling me? Amen. If you read the book of Acts carefully, you didn't get to just be a member because you wanted to be. Now, sad in the American church, pastors are so (laughs) desperate for bodies, they accept anybody. But you know, the more I understand, the more I'm kind of changing that. Amen? You know, when Ananias and Sapphira fell dead under judgment because they acted wrongly in the ecclesia of God, it says great fear came upon all the people, the unsaved people around them, And it says no one would join themselves to them. And great miracle signs and wonders were wrought by the apostles. See, it was a, that's a group over there. And you don't join that group frivolously. You don't take a casual approach to that group. See, you should not take a casual approach to church membership to the ecclesia. If you understand, that's what I'm trying to get over to you, is uh, you are part of, you were picked out. You You were summoned by God and assigned, given the privilege of being invited to be a part of one of his local candlesticks. Amen. Back in the, to be, to be a member of the church of Ephesus, to be a member of the church at Philippi was a big deal. We've got to get back to thinking biblically about church. It's a big deal. I said, it's a big deal. How many of you, come on, how many of you, I don't care who's president, if the president's aide called you on the phone and said, you have been invited to a private meeting with the president on such and such day at such and such time. And you had already bought tickets to Hawaii for a family vacation. And you did not get the church, uh, the, the travel insurance. How many of you would not go on the family vacation And you would respond. You would be present. Some of you are looking like you'd go to Hawaii. So Come on, I'm just being honest. Some of you are thinking I'm going to Hawaii. That's the problem. That is the problem. We got to change that mentality around. Picture your guy in the White House, okay? Does that make a difference? Your guy. Your gal. Does that make a difference? Come on, if you had any respect, any honor, you would drop what you had going. It, it, would, it would be done. It would be over. It does not matter. Little league, bowling tournament, it don't matter. I have been called. I have been summoned to the White House and there's no way I'm not going to show for that. Who's higher? Who is higher? God or the president? God is higher. And he summons his people to assemble in his presence. To hear from him. To receive from him. To be trained by him and to go and act for him. Is anybody with me? 
as we've mentioned, a summons is not optional. There, are, there will be consequences for ignoring a summons. And when Christians ignore the summons to church, to assemble, there will be consequences. I said there will be consequences. There will be things lost. There will be things forfeited. Forgive me, but bear with me as I just simply read this from a Greek scholar about the ecclesia. Uh, a man named Barclay, a Greek scholar, he says, the original word does not simply mean a people God picked out of the world. It means a body of people, an assembly of people, amen, who have been summoned out of their homes. Good for you. See, this message is really for those who did not come this morning. So try to get, them, get it to them, right? Good for you guys for being here. Amen. It is a body of people summoned out of their homes to come and meet with God. In essence, therefore, the church is a body of people not so much assembling because they wanted to or because they decided to, but they have come together because God has called them to himself. Woo Glory to God. Come on. It is not by accident that God drew you here. It is, it is not by happenstance. That, that you came. No, you probably didn't have this, this magnetic pull of the Holy Ghost to church this morning. Amen. But the more full you are, the more renewed you are, the more sensitive to God you are, you will feel the pull to church. I, I feel the pull. I said, I feel the pull to assemble. Hallelujah. Pastor Edwin Anderson, his commentary on this, he said, made this statement about this. It is very easy to think of the local church in just a purely natural level. But I believe one of the most fundamental misunderstandings about the local church is not recognizing its supernatural nature. It is natural thinking, for instance, that causes believers to forsake the assembly. In Hebrews 10.25, one of the meanings of the Greek word translated uh, forsaking is neglecting. Some people think in their mind, well, I haven't forsaken. I haven't been in a while, but I haven't forsaken the church. In the Greek, it means to neglect. To neglect. So Greek scholar and biblical linguist Keith Trump notes that this word also used to, was used to, signi uh, to signify this word neglect, forsake, a choice to leave someone to survive on their own. When you, when you neglect church, you are saying to yourself, you're saying to God and to your brothers and sisters, I am okay leaving them to survive on their own. New Testament writers often use this word to convey the idea of abandonment. In other words, the church, quote unquote, will be fine without me. Yeah. Such thinking fails to take into account that the, in an ecclesia, each member carries a significant contribution within themselves. See, thank you, Sister Kim, for bringing what is in you to the ecclesia this morning. Thank you, Sister Penny. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. Amen? When they think differently, carelessly, neglecting the assembly, they rob the assembly. Amen. The more I read and study this word ecclesia, the more, I want to show you something and then we'll, we'll dismiss. Um, the more I see that, you know, yes, Maurice, your value to God, just you, just you individually, cannot be measured. But having that light, that understanding, does not excuse the necessity for you to be a part of something bigger. When we understand the ecclesia of God, we understand that that is never properly expressed in isolation. You and I will never find our individual value and purpose 
by herself. We must get the revelation that our, our highest value as an individual member of the body of Christ is taking our place of God's choosing in the church. So I have here today something beautiful. Seriously, there, there is something, something great. Something definite, something that has definition in this. There's a lot of individuals in this bag. Do they have value? Y'all ever worked a jigsaw puzzle? I mean, like not, not a 50-piece one, but like I like to work the 1,000-piece ones. Right? And you got pieces everywhere. But if you stay with it, you're forming up the image, the, the, the purpose. You're, with every piece put in place, there is greater expression of what the author, the creator, wanted to be, vis- wanted to be seen. And sometimes I have gotten all the way to the end and could not find one piece. Anybody? Anybody ever done that? Like the cat came along? Right? Or one fell and and got vacuumed up in the vacuum cleaner? You know, when I I find a jigsaw puzzle I really like, I have several in my garage, in my shop. I glue them on a board and I display them. But the ones that I get all the way to the end, hours and hours of effort, and you've got You've got 999 pieces in place. I've never glued the one that's got the one piece missing. It is incomplete. I said, it is incomplete. And Jesus said, that is why a real shepherd will leave the 99 to go find one who didn't think themselves worthy enough, important enough to show up. individually, by itself. What you have is a mess. What you have is potential. And, and oh man, these, these, these Lego things now are so cool. I mean, all, look, look at this piece. Isn't that, that's kind of a cool piece. Isn't that neat? Now, this looks kind of vanilla, doesn't it? But if you try to follow the directions and you try to build the fort, the ship, the boat, the whatever this is meant to be a part of, and this doesn't show up or if this is unwilling to be who it is in the body. Then the the creator's design for the ultimate outcome is hindered. Because this little guy decided it was unimportant. Or being a part, you know, don't tuck me away. I, I want to be the gun on the front of the tip of the tear of the thing. Don't put me under there where no one's going to see me. Listen, without that kind of piece behind the scenes doing the work, there's no foundation. There's no strength to it. Somebody's got to be willing to take their place in the unseen, behind the scenes, and be the strength of a church. Preaching good. We've got this piece. We've got this piece. Look, we've got, you know, and so obviously this was designed. This was made and manufactured with purpose. There's an end in mind, but by itself, at home on Sunday, I got it. I I see it, Rex. (laughs) These are Rex's Legos. Now listen again. Does it have value? Yes. Yes. But isn't its highest value only going to be seen? Its highest purpose will only be fulfilled when it is fitly joined. When it is 
properly connected. We don't have time this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, speaking of the body of Christ, the ecclesia of God, amen, that we are all, each one of us, each one of us individually to be fitly joined together with other believers. And when we all do that, we end up with something like this. Uh-huh. Now look at that thing. Now see, this is cool. See, there was someone, there was a designer. There's, there's someone in the Lego company up above this that envisioned it, wanted it. But notice it did not come out. It was not the author's design to come out as one piece. This is not one piece of plastic. It is made up of, what do you think, more than 1,000, 600? Between, let's say, 500 and 1,000 individual, hello, individual pieces. Now, how many of these can we start doing without before it starts looking less than? How many people in the ecclesia of World Harvest Church in Paducah can we do without week to week before we start looking dysfunctional? Before we start looking less than? And before, before long, you, you, if I started taking individual pieces off, before long, it'll break. The integrity of it will fail. Child of God, you are so important. There are pieces in this ship you cannot see. They are not heralded, stroked, awed about, but without them. Amen? Without them, it wouldn't be what it is. I told you that the Greek word ekklesia is ek meaning, right, to be uh, separated out, to be chosen. And then the other word is from the Greek word kaleo, right? And it means to be summoned, summoned out. Well, and then, so the local church is meant to be a body of individuals, uh, I'll close with this. The, the Greek word for the phrase fitly framed together, fitly joined together, is a, it's got three different Greek words in it. But the main root word of that long Greek word is the Greek word lego. That's where the company lego got the name. It means, the Greek word lego means to be one piece, chosen, taken, and, and set to be placed, fitly joined, closely compacted with another joint, and then another piece, and then another piece, until you get, come on, the ecclesia of God. The ascent, what do we say if we're going to sit down and assemble? Right? This is an assembly of pieces, individual pieces. Rex, I'll clean up the mess after church, I promise. First Corinthians 12 talks about how each member is set in the body as it pleased him. Not as it pleased the peace, as it pleased him. And church, come on, you need, if you're not, get pleased. It's your job to get pleased being the peace you are. 
and to understand your value. You have more, this is what I'm trying to say if I just be blunt about it. You have more value in your place than by yourself. You have this, this, this by itself has value. But it's not as valuable in its place. You have a place. I said you have a place. Be in your place. Right? And, and it's those, I didn't get to it today. Got to let you go. It's those that are willing to faithfully be the component they were designed to be and to just faithfully function right there. Right? Faithfully just function right there in that place. They are going to receive supply and blessing that the individual piece outside of its place and function will ever receive. Rex has got sacks of these in his room. And he's got shelves full of these. I'm much more inclined to throw those away. They're not fulfilling a purpose. They're just taking up space. Whereas I can go in here and find pleasure. I see purpose. Right? I see order. I see a plan. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go and, and uh, think about that. That's what David said in Psalms. He said, Selah. Think about that. And I'm going to continue, as the Lord would help me, to try to get over to you your value in the ecclesia of God. What is all this without you? Nothing. What is my ministry without you? Nothing. Nothing. You're the ones. You're the strength of it. You're the backbone of it. You're the ones that make it go. Not me. I'm here to feed you. I'm here to serve you. You're the real deal. I'm just to be an instrument in God's hand to mold you and shape you and help you and aid you. You're where it's at. You're the ecclesia of God. And the gates of hell shall not get the upper hand. Amen. Stand up on your feet today. Hallelujah. Well, as Bill Winston said, that is my message. <laughs> I am Chris Cody and I approve this message, right? <laughs> Love you. God bless you today and uh, have a great one. Happy Father's Day. You guys are dismissed this morning.